0: Over 1,000 players already in the transfer portal, seemingly all of them from OU. You're listening to the Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez, joined this evening by Tyler Burton and Corbin Polson. Guys, how are we doing?
1: What's up, boys? Doing good. Finally settled into Colorado. Corbin, big week for you this uh, upcoming Sunday.
2: Yeah, it is wedding week uh, in my household. It's my last time I'll be on the pod for the month. So, yeah, all kinds of exciting things. Any jitters? No, we've had this planned out so far in advance like
1: how uh, how involved in the uh, wedding planning process have very, you been? Very, very much so.
2: Yep, very. Really. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a planner at heart, so it just kind of comes natural. The playlist for the cocktail hour? Oh baby, it's going to be very good.
1: Sign me up. Sign yep. Up. It's gonna be fun. Well, guys, let's uh, let's just kind of dive into it. Been a, uh, I was telling Adam shortly before we hopped on here and started recording. Kind of feels like today, day one of the transfer portal opening up. Kind of feels like it's been the most exciting of any day, especially compared to the regular season. So a lot of things going on. A lot of players entering the transfer portal. Uh, OU extending some scholarship offers out. Uh, some good news uh, on the transfer side of things. A few uh, positive notes on the recruiting front in both the high school ranks and in the transfer portal. So guys, Adam, where do we want to start? OU players or what's going on?
0: Let's talk positives, I guess. I guess it's a positive NFL draft, huh? Like we, yeah. we've got all the suspected uh, players Going to the NFL draft, Wanya Morris, Anton Harrison. Um, am I missing somebody else? Eric Gray. Um, Jalen Redmond. Jalen Redmond. That was surprising. Yes. Yeah, so was well, the I, I one. I think it was one that maybe we thought could happen. I don't know. I, He's not going he to get drafted, it, right? I don't That's, see him getting drafted. Yeah. No, I can can
1: understand it though. I mean, he's, he's, he's got a girl, he's got a, he's got a newborn baby. So, I mean, I can understand that he wants to get to the league, make a paycheck, take care of his family and all that. But I don't think he's got enough solid tape. Right. I mean, we saw, (sighs) I mean, injured
2: every year. Well, and yeah. just look at
1: the last couple of years with Isaiah Thomas, Perry on Winfrey, you know, the performances that they've had, the stats, the, uh, you know, the highlights that they've had in an Oklahoma uniform. I just don't think that Jalen Redmond has been healthy enough over the last couple of years to really put together enough tape to where it's appealing to a, you know, an NFL GM, you know, Hey, we're going to take a flyer on this guy. So, but you know, he is going to be part of the senior bowl. He's going to test well at the combine, I feel like. So I'm um, wishing nothing but the best, but yeah, that's definitely the most head scratching of the four.
0: But do you think that if he had come back for what it would have been a sixth year, I guess, would that have changed at all? Because I don't necessarily think that that would have been his breakout year, like all conference or anything like that. If he
2: would have changed positions, yes. But yes. was that going to
0: happen? Like I don't
2: don't know. We'll never know. do know. Yeah. Uh, you would think if recruiting and transfer portal plays out the way that we hope. We have that defensive tackle spot filled, mm-hmm. and he can actually shift to the outside, have a whole off season to prepare his body to be a defensive end. so I think that's where he's yeah more than likely going to fit. And you have to wonder too, is his
1: stock right now the highest it could possibly be, or would him coming back for another year, whether it's a tra- whether it's uh you know continue to transform his body, uh, ch- change positions, would his stock be better a year from now? I'm not Does he sure have any but- stock. I'm not sure. I don't think he gets drafted. He's maybe round six, round seven. Somebody takes a flyer, but I don't know. He's going to have to run one hell of a 40 time, I think, at the combine. Um, Just because I I just don't, I just simply don't see it. He's not going to be able to play in the NFL on the interior. He's going to have to be able to transition outside, which is, you know, kind of what we hoped he would be able to do. He has zero
2: tape on that. If you're questioning his tape at defensive tackle, Mm -hmm. he has zero tape at defensive end.
1: Anton Harrison is one is the one out of the four that I definitely do not question whatsoever. I thought that he was probably uh, top two lineman in the Big 12 conference this year. Probably should have been first team all Big 12, or excuse me, the uh, Big 12 offensive lineman of the year. Not sure why he wasn't. Eric Gray, phenomenal year. He has nothing more to prove at this point mm-hmm. right now from his time as Tennessee and at Oklahoma. Um, what do you guys think about Wanya Morris? Are we fine? Like, okay, this is what you want to do? You know, go try to kill it in the NFL. We wish he would have came back for another year. I think a lot of Oklahoma fans, Bill Beanbow, you know, as a coach especially, thought was probably thinking that, hey, if I could have had Tyler Guyton on one end and Wanya uh, Morse on the other, my tackle position is set already going into 2023. But um, can't fault any of these guys for, you know, wanting to better their future and yeah. take care of their
0: families. I think it helps Put the five best players on the field next year, though, because without a Morris, you don't have the excuse of, oh, this guy has some experience. Maybe I trust him a little bit more, because mm-hmm. now you're forced to put Tyler Guyton out there, who, by all accounts, has a much higher ceiling. You're probably forced to put out Jake Taylor, Jake Sexton. Um, Savion Bird, a guy that I think some people are a little nervous about, like hoping we can keep him on campus, but because mm-hmm. he just hasn't played enough, um, to give him that confidence that, Hey, he should stick around at OU, but it's going to force, uh, Bo to play all those guys probably in the bowl game, um, you yeah. know, for that matter. And I think that's a good thing because that's a much higher ceiling, uh, group mm-hmm. of guys than it is if Wanya e. Morris is still here. I
1: we- think that it, the Jake Taylors of the world, the Jacob Sexton's, you know, Savion Bird, if he gets a chance to play, there's no better opponent I think, and we'll dive into the bowl matchup here in just a little bit with Oklahoma going to the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando to take on Florida State. Florida State's got probably one of the best set of edge guys uh, in the country, so Tyler Guyton, Jake uh, Jake Taylor, Jacob Sexton. You guys are about to find out real quick what uh, high level Division one football is all about. But I think if there's one thing that we do know is Oklahoma, and we've already seen it from uh, social media today, Oklahoma is going to be very very active on so on in the transfer portal. And guys, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that OU is going to look to take one, maybe two offensive lineman from the portal if the fits right if the uh if the player is capable of performing at this at this level we've seen some guys transfer out from alabama we've already seen a little bit of mutual interest from the uh the guy from utep uh who's been a multi-year starter for the minors so it's can we uh, get
2: excited about that i mean like i'm so tired of this where it's like all these high-end caliber guys hit the portal and we're not even like – there's not even a, an ounce of interest in Oklahoma. It's all these guys that like, ooh, what could they do it at a big-time program? And they don't work. They don't work. <laughs> Case we, we've seen it.
0: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> it's
1: true. It's true. I mean, I, I think that you can't always consistently year in and year out bank on the transfer portal being able to solve your needs. You've got to continue to build your program from the high school recruiting ranks up. Um, Caden Green is also another guy that you could expect to probably come in next year and at least fight for some time in the, in the 2d
0: rotation. Yeah. I think as far as the guys going to the NFL, the interesting storyline for me is the guys that haven't declared yet. Marvin Mims, Woody Washington, Dylan Gabriel had never, has not committed to coming back to OU at this point. We're, we're seeing some other guys stick around in college, like Michael Penix, uh, Devin Leary's transferring rather than going Keyshawn to the NFL. Butte. LSU well, I'm saying quarterbacks, quarterbacks specifically, because that's what matters for Dylan Gabriel and whether he decides to come back or go pro. I don't think he has enough to go pro, but will he ever?
2: Know.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of the question is like, maybe this is the better class to jump. And I, Spencer Rattler is another guy that came out today. He was right on the fence as far as whether he was going to go pro or stay. And when you start looking at the class, it's starting to thin out, you know, with some guys that are coming back to college. So maybe this is the year or the opportunity to go pro. Uh, maybe well, and, Dylan Gabriel's afraid fa- a of Jackson Arnold. I, I have no idea. And Adam, I think you know the conversation that we
1: just had about Wanye and Jalen Redman, You know, I think that you know possibly the same argument could be made for Dylan Gabriel. How much better could he get? And you know, with another year of experience and another year of playing college football, is this the right time for him to just say, "Okay, I am going to bet on myself. I am going to uh, choose to go in the NFL draft." But I think when you look at Woody, uh, DG, Marvin Mims, is no news, good news. I think at this point, right now kind of feels like so wouldn't you think day one of the transfer portal opening up you would think that if anybody really had serious interest in putting their name out there they would do so on day one yeah I would, but all,
2: the, so, all yeah. of those guys have already said they're playing in the bowl game so what's the urgency
0: yeah it's true that's a good point <clears throat> here's good a thought point. on dylan gabriel it could really backfire on him like his stock might be lower this time next year if he gets injured and arnold comes in or if you know Arnold just replaces him for bad play like it's coming he might, yeah he might have zero chance of getting drafted next year if he gets replaced on the field so
2: i mean that could be a consideration i just don't i don't see it guys and i know obviously i hope i'm wrong i just don't see him as an nfl quarterback i mean he's not even like i don't i wouldn't even put him in like a chase daniel's category and chase daniel's was a backup his entire nfl career yeah mm-hmm. so i i just don't see it i hope i'm wrong i hope he obviously he's very successful but I don't care if it's this year, next year, ten years from now. I just don't see Dylan Gabriel like making an NFL impact. That said, is he better than Brock Purdy? Yes. And Brock Purdy just had a game on Sunday for the Niners. Mm-hmm. Brock so, Purdy's a lot bigger. Yeah, one hundred percent. But is his arm better? No. So I don't know. I mean, you never know. The NFL is weird. We expected Baker to have you know a solid NFL career. That's gone completely opposite. We expected Kyler to have a really good NFL career. NFL career. I think that's up. And just question marks right now of what th- he can be. So who knows?
1: Yeah, I think it's all about the fit. Honestly, if Dylan Gabriel is going to have any chance, I think to, you know, have an impact, he's got to go to the right coach. He's got to go to the right team with the right scheme. You know, Baker, there's there's no greater example. I mean, he's on what? He was on his, what, fifth head coach uh, in, in four years or five mm-hmm. years. So, you know you're kind of behind the eight ball when you get drafted number one overall and go to Cleveland. Then your you know your career is kind of on a downward trajectory from there. Uh, but guys, looking at the current at the current roster right now, it looks like we're at a total of 13 players uh, from the OU squad right now that have entered the transfer portal: four defensive backs, three defensive linemen, three wide receivers, one offensive lineman, and two <laughs> quarterbacks. Guys, is this this is kind of what we expected. We, Adam, you and I talked about this last week. Uh, basically, you're a complete roster overturn. Uh, if you're not making an impact, if you're a guy that has already been here, uh, not just with one year uh, with Brent Venables, and you couldn't find your way on the field, but we're also seeing some guys on this list of 13 names that even when Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch were here, they couldn't get on the field with them as well, so you're you're starting to see um, some players being processed out, uh, being told to find some different uh, find some different homes. And Venables through the transfer portal and the uh, 2023 recruiting class is going to start bringing in some guys that they think can contribute in a better way.
0: Yeah, one thing that I thought was really interesting during the Clemson UNC game, they mentioned that Clemson leads the country in number of players played per game, and I have to think that OU was probably the opposite of that this year. We didn't see a lot of guys. We didn't see a lot of freshmen and and the guys that transferred out were all third string or lower pretty much with the exception Mm -hmm. of Theo Weiss who was there sometimes and then just non-existent other times. So I I hope he goes off and and kills it somewhere. Um, Yeah. You know, he's gone through some injuries. He deserves it. The rest of the guys just didn't contribute so it makes me wonder, like, what are we really going to be able to bring in? Because what are we able to sell at this point? We can't point to, you know, uh, a fourth receiver that was having a lot of success. We can't point to a third string defensive back that got a lot of playing time or anything like that. So and, and there's a lot of positions, too, where I think we want to bring someone in to compete with Danny Stutzman and David Aguebu if he comes back um, and, and along the offensive line to compete with Andrew Raim, for example, but mm-hmm. what kind of player is going to say, Hey, you know, maybe it's a guy from the FCS or group of five school that had a lot of success at that level. And I'm kind of wishy-washy on whether those guys are going to make an impact, but who's going to say, Hey, I'm going to spend my last year in college competing for a chance to possibly start and make an NFL push or maybe get beat out and just sit on the bench. You know, like what are we but- going to get? What kind of quality of player is that going to be? But Adam, that is what you're
1: selling, right? I
0: mean, that's got to be what your
1: pitch is. If you're this coaching staff, it's not just we're you know we're looking for guys to come in uh, to you know bring added depth. We're looking for guys to come in that can compete for all 22 positions on the football field. Because after a six and six type season, yes, you kind of feel like there's probably a handful of guys, the Billy Bowmans, the Danny Stutzmans, Marvin Mims if he comes back. Chances are those guys are penciled in. You can go ahead and call them starters for next year. But for, in my opinion. There's not a single guy returning uh, on next year's roster. When they show up to spring, you know, spring football, uh, you're not entitled to anything. You, just because you played this past season, you're not entitled to shit. So I think that that's as a coaching staff, that's what you're pitching to these guys. You know, it's yeah, not come but, in and you know try to fight, try to try. We'll try to get you into the rotation where we can get you some snaps in the games. No, you're yeah. coming in and we expect you to compete for a job.
0: Yeah, ex- well, exactly. That's what they're going to pitch them. But that stud group of five linebacker that's looking to move up to the next level and get an audition for the NFL, he's going to look at the roster. He's going to do his, his homework and say, David Agwebu started all these games and played pretty much every snap. Can I trust the coaching staff that I'm going to get that opportunity? Or should I go down the road to Arizona or South Carolina or whatever, where they just lost their starter and it truly is
2: up for grabs?
1: Yeah,
2: I don't know. It's a, a fair point. Order? Throw on some David Aguebu film and you should feel very confident in your playing time <laughs> abilities at the University of Oklahoma. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a tough sell. The fact that we all know that if, if you have not already been working in the transfer portal, you're dead now. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Any 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 top tier guy of the transfer portal, if you're not already in on him, you're dead. So... <sighs> I just I, I tweeted it in a, in our group chat today, or I I, I texted it to you guys. I just refuse to believe that any major contributor out of the transfer portal is going to be coming to Oklahoma. We've just never we just haven't seen it outside of probably the quarterback position,
0: which has to okay. be a
2: major contributor. Like Keith Lawrence, was and he a major contributor?
1: Maybe you could take a flyer on that. That might be stretching it a little bit, but I mean he's a guy that plays meaningful reps week in and week out.
0: I think I C.J. Colden was more of an impact player. He I only agree. played the last six games of the year, basically.
1: Yeah, and I Adam, mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call this guy an impact player, but McKay Mattower did start every single game this season. Now, he certainly
2: wasn't impactful.
1: That I will agree with you on that. But.
2: Adam, I don't think you're wrong in a sense where, yes, BV's guys are going to be <clears throat> two-thirds of the roster next year, but like, what do we expect from this team anyway? I don't expect this team to be that much better next year. And so I, I, I agree with like, you can't use this as an excuse, but I think there'll be plenty of other excuses to go out there just because I I think this team is probably an eight, nine win team next year at best.
1: Well, and I think that that's progress. I don't think moving forward, you. I think you're exactly right, Adam. I don't think you can continue to use the argument that these are no, these aren't Brent's guys. That there's a, a huge amount of the roster, percentage-wise, that's left over from the previous, you know, coaching and coaching staff. So, uh, but I do, I do think that going into next season, especially from what we've witnessed over the last four months, regardless of who's on the roster next year, based on coaching alone, in another year in the scheme, another year with the strength and conditioning staff, this team has got. To look better than they have, than they have over the last four months, they've got to play better. They've got to win more ball games. You can't put out another stinker six and six, seven and five year, uh, like what we saw, you know, from for the past few months. So as long as this team does, you know, win eight, nine, maybe ten games, you're fighting for a berth in Arlington. Then I think that you could seriously say that the that this coaching staff and this program are taking steps in the right direction.
0: I feel dirty, like even thinking that. I might agree with you on that because eight to nine wins is just so unacceptable for a program Mm -hmm. like OU. I think for me, and I agree with Corbin's point that I just am not holding my breath on the transfer portal. And maybe I'm a little bit jilted based off of Mm -hmm. the results from this past season. And maybe that truly was Brent Venables being late to the job and having, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just late to the party of getting those transfers. Because like you mentioned, if you haven't done your work at this point, you're dead. Like, Mm -hmm. So maybe that is going to change things. Maybe we will get more impactful transfers. But at the same time, we have over a thousand guys in the transfer portal, portal right now. I think there's maybe like 50 to 100 that are really actual quality guys that could probably help a program like OU. And OU's not getting, you know, a huge chunk of those guys, in my opinion. You've heard so,
2: nothing on any of them.
0: Yeah. Nothing. So I just, I just don't believe that the portal is going to help you. I really think it's going to be an off season of internal development. And I'm going to repeat this line for the next seven, eight months, because I think that's where this team gets better. And unfortunately it's not something that we saw over the course of this season. We didn't see it over the course of the off season either. We thought, okay, Ethan downs, Reggie Grimes, Danny Stutzman, all those guys are going to take huge leaps under Brent Venables. And maybe they took a small leap at best, but they just didn't have it. So can Brent Venables do that with his recruits? Can he do it with Ashton Sanders, with with guys like that, with R. Mason Thomas, with Jaron Canick? I hope so, yeah. but we didn't see it this season.
1: I don't know. I wholeheartedly disagree with you on Danny Stutzman.
2: You think I'm he not was a, I'm not significantly a better?
1: I thought he improved significantly from where we're standing right now compared to last year. And leading the he was a
2: freshman last year.
1: He played sparingly last year, but even go all the way yeah. back to game one, you know, against, you know, Kent Staler this season. I think that, you know, I, I thought that Danny took tremendous drives this year. Uh,
0: to me, I think he had some good moments. Ethan but Downs got think... better
1: as the year went on. Now, Reg, yeah, Reg, Reggie didn't... Grimes, you can, uh, yes, I completely yeah. agree with you on Reggie Grimes. He disappeared. Yeah. I don't know if he got back on the team bus for, after Lincoln, Nebraska, but.
0: Yeah. I don't know. And Danny Stutzman, to me, kind of seems like the result of, well, somebody has to make the tackle. So he has some overinflated stats. Um,
2: I agree. Because he had
0: some really bad moments. For for every good moment he had, for every two good moments he had, he probably had one equally bad moment.
2: I, I do, so, the question, question is, is, is Danny Stutzman a guy you envision on a conference or playoff team at a linebacker position? And the answer is clearly no.
1: I'm just not there yet. I think he's got all the tools and again he's a sophomore. We'll let's see what he does next year. But I think that burnt is tiny. I understand that. Give
2: it another year with Schmitty. I get I get I get what I'm you're not saying. I'm talking muscles. I think I'm just talking stature. Okay. He he is not like compare compare him to and and it's hard to do, but if our level of expectation is national championship, mm-hmm. compare him to what you just saw from Michigan. Ohio State well, I think Ohio State's probably been the stretch Georgia TCU all those linebackers look different.
1: I completely agree with you but I think that we all have to sit here and agree that the that the caliber of player that Danny Stutzman was coming out of high school is not even re- remotely close to what Alabama and Georgia recruiting a linebacker position at a year in year out He was a
2: four star right yeah, uh, I believe he was a three. I think he was
1: a three. I think he was because I think a lot of people talked about how he was a diamond in the rough and it was a great evaluation by Alex Grinch, which <laughs> I don't think are you. We don't want to talk about Alex Grinch defenses anymore. Or maybe maybe we do after the stinker that they put out in Vegas over yeah. the weekend. But I don't know. I, I, Adam, you, you do make a good point. And, you know, I, I agree with you on this, you know, six wins this year, you know, going into next season. I think it is realistic expectations to expect this group to win 8 or 9 ball games but I also think that I don't, in my opinion, at least you know, as we stand on December 5th, I, I think that the Big 12 is going to take a step back. I don't think it's going to be near as competitive as it was compared to this season because you look at some of the teams, particularly at the top of the conference, You know, TCU is a very senior-driven team. They're going to lose a lot of guys this year. It's tremendous what Sonny Dykes has done in year one. K-State's going to be losing a lot of leadership off of that team. Uh, Texas, they're going to be losing B. John Robinson. Xavier Worthy looks like he's going to be going elsewhere. They're going to lose a lot of key contributors off the defense. There's a shit show going on right now. Stillwater that I'm sure we could we could uh, divulge a lot of time into so I think that
2: is that what we're banking on on saying- that's 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 what's our our success I don't want to like- bank on it I'm just saying that that's that's realistic hopefully these teams hopefully these teams lose some guys so OU can have a more of a chance to to win a conference championship
1: I think that with what Oklahoma showed this year, if they make a handful of plays, if those handful of plays go our way as opposed to the other one, then this is a 9-10 win team. All I'm saying is that competitive-wise, from top to bottom the Big 12 next year, I don't think it's going to be near as strong consistently as what we saw from the 2022 season.
0: Yeah. See, for me, I'm more reliant on what is Brent Venables going to squeeze out of this team. For sure. Like, and And we just didn't see that. Attribute as a coach Mm -hmm. this year. We saw him constantly trying to ram that square peg into a round hole Mm -hmm. and it just didn't fit. And so I'm hopeful that now he has a piece, he has a square peg for a square hole potentially. Mm -hmm. But man, like we had a wasted year, in my opinion, this year. Like we, the culture was there by all accounts, the culture was good. Even with all the losses, there wasn't a lot of issues there. Mm
2: -hmm. But I don't know. Like I do wonder, in a at a place like this where you have no, if you're Brent Venables, you have no, maybe outside of Braden Willis, you have no leadership internally on this team to take them where you're trying to take them. The culture of the, the, the of the juniors and seniors that did not come in under Brent Venables, the Lincoln Riley culture, I think we all can agree was not very positive, and we saw it in Vegas last weekend. It's that was Oklahoma from the past four years, one hundred percent. So I think until these younger guys who have been through Brent Venables' culture, been through the 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 discipline that BV requires. Until they get into the junior and senior levels, this program is going to be exactly what we saw this past year. Because I do think the internal dynamics Mm -hmm. of a locker room, we've all been in locker rooms, the internal dynamics of a locker room and the leadership from the top as far as Mm -hmm. players on the field, 1,000% matters. And until that culture kind of removes itself, I don't expect anything from this program. And And so so what I'm saying, to be very clear, this program is very relevant for the next three years. That is what I'm banking on.
1: I'm not sure. I'm. I don't think I'm that far with you, but I. I do kind of want to piggyback on. What do
2: you have? To, what do you have to give you confidence that things are going to change?
1: The fact that for the better part of the last 22 years, Oklahoma's consistently been a relevant football team. They've been towards. The, I don't know if been, that
2: means much. they've been in
1: a
0: hierarchy uh, in the. Things college have football changed ranks. so fast with with like the transfer portal and everything that like. I don't know. It, it feels like we. We tore down a lot of what was already there. Mm-hmm. TCU's going to the playoff. Yeah, hopefully we're rebuilding something better in its place, but we just didn't get a lot of hope this Mm-mm. this season to, to say, hey, we're going in the right direction. Instead, we saw first-year coaches at TCU go to the playoff, mm-hmm. at LSU go to the SEC championship game. At Notre Dame, you know, they got a little rocky, but they found their footing, and they look mm-hmm. solid under Marcus Freeman at this point. We saw so – and Texas Tech beat OU. They look like they're heading in the right direction. Everybody looks like they're heading in the right direction outside of Brent Venables and OU probably. And there were some high expectations. So I, I'm still hopeful. I still think, like I said last week, I still think Brent is the guy. But man, it's like he he pushed us backwards this year and made a lot of mistakes in the process. Mm-hmm. And I hope he can step back and, and look in a mirror and say, hey, here's what I did wrong. Here's what I need to change but I I don't have a whole lot of hope because we saw the same things continue over and Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. So I just wonder, like, will it actually change? I do kind of want to get your guys' thoughts
1: on the backup quarterback situation, particularly Nick Evers Evers deciding to enter the transfer portal. That's been probably one of the most talked about. Uh, Basically the biggest talking point on social media over the last 72 hours with the OU fan base. Just kind of what are your guys' thoughts on Nick Evers? Uh, It's... To me, it's a, it's a lot worse. The, the fan base is making it out to be a lot worse. It's a, I guess they're making it an indictment uh, on this coaching staff, particularly Jeff Levy, as far as mismanaging the quarterback room. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Because I think I'm on the opposite side compared to you two. I
2: think Adam hit the nail on the head when he was talking about earlier and like why would transfer portal kids come here. This staff showed zero ability to play other guys mm-hmm. in the system. That's exactly why Nick left. Do I think that if Nick had an entire half against Texas, would he be feeling different about a situation? No, I don't. Because I think we saw what Nick Evers was as a true freshman in this system that he just wasn't ready. And that's fine. Like, I don't think any of us expected it. But why not give the kid a chance? That's that's my only thing. And I think that's probably all he was asking for was, like, just give me a chance. If I go out there and I fall on my face, like, that's on me. But, like, not giving me the opportunity to go improve myself – That's all he was asking for and more power to him. Move on somewhere that's going to give you that opportunity.
0: There's a lot of talk of, well, he wasn't ready and that's why he didn't get to play. And it's his fault for that. And it's probably true. He probably wasn't ready. We really didn't get to see enough of him. But to put it an analogy here, I have a bunch of little nephews that are all under the age of 10 years old. And they're constantly saying they can do things that I know they can't do, like touch the ceiling when they jump, for example. And I could just constantly say, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. But that doesn't prove anything to them. I just say, hey, do it then. And they can't do it. And that's kind of what I think needed to happen with Nick Evers there. Nothing was working in the first half. That game was over in the second quarter against Texas. Yeah. And he's sitting over there on the sideline going, I can do a whole lot better than what's being thrown out there. That was a whole give up strategy. We talked about that that game. But just throw him out there for a couple of legitimate, serious, real drives. Not you know, the last drive of the game, ask him to run the offense, let him see that. Okay. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I need to continue to develop. And, and I think you can say, Hey, we gave you a chance. We gave you a fair shot at playing time. You went out, you, you fell on your face. That's all right. We'll, we'll coach you up. We'll get you better for next year because yeah, he's not going to play next year. He might not have ever played at OU, but it's much better to have that depth and have a third-string quarterback at OU rather than have Davis yep. Bevel waiting
1: in the wings. I'm going to tell all the listeners on this podcast the exact same thing that I texted you guys five minutes after Nick Evers entered the transfer portal. You see a lot of people on social media over the last 72 hours blaming Jeff Lebby and the coaching staff for mismanaging the quarterback room and not giving Nick Evers a chance to play. You see lots of people feeling bad for Nick, feeling bad for his parents, telling them how sorry they are that, the, that their son didn't get a chance to play. I've said it since the beginning that we started doing this podcast. A coach's job, especially at the Division One level, a coach's job is to play the guy at each position on the field that they believe gives them the best chance to win. It's also their job, particularly for a freshman, to develop and help a young kid grow and not to give them too much to handle too early on in the process. Now, we see freshmen playing all across the country, no doubt about it. There's a few freshmen that have been playing in Oklahoma. Quarterback, not so much. That's probably the hardest position in all of the sports, going from high school to college, particularly Power 5 college football, because the game is so much faster than what they're used to. But if Brent and Jeff Levy believed that Nick Evers was capable and ready to play and ready to help them win, then he would have played. For me, it's that simple. I get the argument. I get, I get the argument that you're making, Adam. That yes, what I've loved to have seen Nick Evers, uh, General Booty, uh, Ralph Rucker, anybody else thrown out there against Texas. Yes, I would. But guys, we knew from the minute that Dylan Gabriel got that concussion against TCU, there was no chance in hell that we were beating texas so so why I not bring him why we would, agree that, because because, because in, my, in my opinion i don't think that the cotton bowl in front of a hundred thousand fans and the biggest game on your schedule i don't think that's the game
2: to throw a true freshman out there to the wolves when, when it's Tyler, night and day you, that you can't beat that team you've been calling for a specific linebacker to play all year all year long mm-hmm. who is it jaron canick so why are you not as passionate about Nick Everett's opportunities to play as you have been, Jaron Canick? Because Kanick has
1: been ha, ha, proved since the first snap that he proved took. what? He led the team. Proved what? Uh, how many tackles did he have? Did he have 20, 25 tackles on the year? He played phenomenal in the first three to four weeks of the season. He given the
2: opportunity to play.
1: Okay. Playing yeah. linebacker sporadically over the course of a few games is a lot different than being asked to run the offense at Oklahoma in the cotton bowl against
2: Texas. So let me ask you this, Does playing line. Is there any position on the field outside of the quarterback position that has more to figure out and communicate than a linebacker in Brent Venables defense?
1: I would say this, I would say the center would be one interior offensive line guys that's hard for a freshman to pick up I I get what you guys are saying but I don't think it's yeah but I just don't think it's as simple as saying you know well Nick Evers is transferring because you know he was never given a chance I think that a large part of the fact do I wish that he would have played a little bit more yeah probably because it's clear as night and day that anything else that was on that roster probably given the opportunity would have been better than Davis Bevel but I also think that from a coaching standpoint it's you're taking a huge risk at damaging a kid's mental psyche and his growth when you throw when
0: you throw him out there in an environment that he's simply not ready for. I, I, I'm going to call BS on that. The game was over. The game was over in the second quarter. You had the entire third and fourth quarter practice reps, low-pressure reps mm-hmm. against Texas. Half the fans were gone on the OU side of the field. No one expected him to go in and do anything. He probably would have fell flat on his face. But at least you throw him out there and say, hey, you know, the, the game's over. These are just free practice reps in a game setting against another team that you get to go out and run the three plays that you know. We were only running three plays before that anyway with Davis Bevel. You might as well let Nick Evers do that and say, hey, you're part of this team. We're giving you a chance. That's part of why I think Dabo Sweeney is playing so many guys at Clemson. Yeah. He's he's able to do that because he gets some big leads in games, but also to say, hey, we're a family. We have everybody contributing. And I think that would have been an opportunity for Nick Evers. And maybe at the end of the day, he still transfers because I think it was probably more about Jackson Arnold than it was the fact that he didn't get a chance. Bingo. But, but to sit there and, and throw out Davis Bevel the entire game up until the very last drive of the game, when that was a total throwaway you know, strategy of, hey, we just want to lose by as least little as possible. At least throw Nick Evers a bone and give him a chance when he's sitting over there on the sideline going, hey, I could probably do something. Like, let him go out and, and fail on his, you know, on his face and, and let him prove that.
1: I don't necessarily disagree with all of that, Adam, but I can't fault the coaches for not wanting to throw a true freshman out there at the quarterback position.
0: He's not going to ruin himself in two series in the lowest pressure scenario against Texas that you could possibly have. I'm with you on that one, Adam. We're yeah. aligned.
1: <laughs> let's, uh, let's But talk I, but I little... agree with you. I think it has more to do so with the fact that Jackson Arnold is Jeff Lebby's guy. That's who they're banking on. Basically, I guess for the foreseeable future after one more year of Dylan Gabriel, if he decides to come back, I, th- I agree with you. I think it had more to do so with Jackson Arnold coming in and less to do uh, about his playing time at Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about recruiting. I guess nothing super interesting happening. We're just kind of all in a holding pattern in regards to David Hicks, who I'm not holding my breath on. I'm giving that less than a 10 percent chance. Peyton Bowen. Seems to be leaning OU, but this feels like a classic. Like, why hasn't anything happened? Any yet? day yeah. now, <laughs> the dude's been looking at OU for almost a total year now, and still hasn't flipped. Like, what? Yeah. What more could you possibly need to see at this point? It seems like OU's the favorite. I, I think if there were betting odds at this point, but man, I, I don't feel great about it. It feels like last minute money comes in or last minute, you know, home visit things like that. Just. The classic things that we've known as OU fans. But do you guys feel maybe better about Peyton Bowen than I do? It definitely feels like it's
1: been a full court press for the last few months, and we found out today OU kind of looks like they're doing anything and everything that they can. They're trying to sweeten the deal. looks like they're going to offer the, the Landon Slides kid, uh, the really good receiver out of Denton Geyer, preferred walk-on spot. So, um, you know, from a lot of people that you that you hear from, he's another guy that's really close with Peyton Bowen on that Denton Geyer football team. So just continuing to uh, put more bullets in the chamber, having Jackson Arnold coming in, Peyton Bowen's girlfriend signed on to play soccer at Oklahoma. Uh, if, do I think he ends up signing with OU? Probably yes, but I, I we've been burned by this too many times for me to truly get my hopes up on it.
2: I'm in full agreement. It, it's why it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more OU can say. There's nothing more AM can say. There's nothing more than Notre Dame can say. You just got to make a decision at this point. It's like watching somebody. I'm, I'm a big Shark Tank guy. It's like watching somebody with multiple offers and they just kind of like I don't know what to do. That's what it feels like. You just got you have to make a decision. At some yep. point, you just got to make a call. It was supposed to be like he wasn't going to take any in home visits. And then now he's taking in home visits. Like, just, dude, just make a decision. Yeah. 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 The longer it goes, I mean, it's time kills all deals. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so.
0: But but you know guys, this is high on OU, but that could change. Yeah, but you know guys, we have seen some crystal balls coming
1: in all day, both in the high school ranks and in the transfer portal. Uh, Tascilia uh, seems like he's trending in a positive direction. Uh, with Brent Venables doing an, an in-home visit in the coming days with the talented four-star linebacker. Um, and then you know guys, you've got the McCullough brothers, four-star 2023 linebacker uh, day. I assume is how you pronounce his name. Six foot two, two hundred twenty pounds, out of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, a guy that has received multiple crystal balls to flip. From his commitment to Cincinnati to Oklahoma, and then his brother, uh, who's just a couple years older, and he was uh, Desan McCullough, six foot five, two thirty-five pound edge guy. He's the Indiana transfer, played in all twelve games for the Hoosiers, and racked up forty-nine tackles, six and a half for loss, and four sacks. Guys, if you can figure out a way to get a package deal, get those two brothers on campus, I think that not just at the inside linebacker position where you're getting quality depth, but that you're also getting a solid piece uh, at the defensive end position. What, like we just lost in a Clayton Smith, Joseph Wete. You're adding, in my opinion, a guy that is better uh, and definitely a lot more proven with already having one-year Power 5 experience to that defensive end room with Miguel Chavis.
2: Guys, there's a familiar name that in the transfer portal that has gotten a lot of attention today. That's Austin Stogner. Oh, boy. Enlighten me, guys. Stogner transferred out of this program with this new staff, was basically already hired, Mm -hmm. and now he's coming back. Make this make sense. Was he hurt at South
1: Carolina
0: this year? Because he didn't have very many catches, and he only had one touchdown. He played in all uh, 12 games. He did have – Jaheim Bell that uh, was also tied in there. Okay. I wouldn't call him productive. Two hundred sixty-one yards and three touchdowns. So it's not like Bell was some phenomenal All-American that was just ahead yeah. of him. Yeah. If my memory serves
1: me correctly, I think he's got a brother that's enrolled in school at OU. Maybe want maybe get back closer to his brother. Maybe he wants to maybe he's homesick once to get back closer to the Dallas area. I'm not sure, but maybe he sees Brady. Well, and I guess one other argument I can make on that is he saw. How good of a year Braden Willis had in this Jeff Lebby scheme. Maybe he thinks that he can come back in and have a similar performance. Now he's not
2: even he's not Braden Willis. He's (laughs) he's definitely
1: not blocking like Braden Willis is. Maybe he can be a more effective pass catcher down the field, which that's going to be hard to do. Braden had one hell of a season. I I simply don't understand it. I don't I don't know if you take him knowing he just has one year left. I mean, is he much better than Jace Slewellan? Caden Helms, what you've got coming in? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. I mean. I'm unsure if his injury from 2020 is what's slowing him down or the fact that he's playing with Spencer Radler. Could be both. But I mean, he's nice depth. I think we need some depth at tight end. Mm-hmm. So I'll welcome him back. I, I just don't, I have no idea what type of
2: expectations to really put on him. Schmidty put on 80 pounds and turn into a lineman? <laughs> we, need, we need some more line little depth,
1: Lane Johnson for blast from the past. <laughs> but I think that it is going to be interesting, like we alluded to. We've got four guys going to the NFL draft so far, 13 players in the transfer portal. So you've got 17 right there. You've got at least, what is it, eight to 10 guys that have ran out of eligibility. I think Bob was, is doing a really nice job keeping up with that on Soonerscoop.com. So between the 2023 recruiting class, that's not enough to basically plug all the holes that you've got, you've got to go out there and probably get at least double-digit guys from the transfer portal. Uh, hopefully some of them come in and make a uh, make an immediate impact. That way it'll make Corbin happy. I know he's not banking on that, but uh, there's definitely there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen uh, between now and the next 30 to 60 days.
2: Tyler, let's talk Cheez-Its. <laughs>
1: Oh, this is a bad matchup. This is not good. Cheesy. This is not This is not good, guys, especially with the opt-outs that we've had. Yes, Oklahoma is going to the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando December 29th to take on the number 13 Florida State Seminoles. Florida State right now, Vegas odds have them as a 7.5-point favorite. And, guys, just a quick look at the Noles, 9-3 on the season, finished second in the ACC Atlantic Division, a couple games behind the Clemson Tigers. Three losses, though, on their schedule by a combined 18 points against Wake, NC State, and Clemson. Clemson. That's not bad. All three of those opponents were ranked at the time that the Knowles played them. And guys, this is probably one of one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Mm-hmm. They've won five straight games to close out the regular season. And it all starts with the Seminole offense averaging just a hair over 36 points a game. When you talk about some of the true dual threat quarterbacks that are playing their best football right now across the country, uh, one name that's got to be mentioned is the Seminoles starting quarterback, and that is Jordan Travis, the guy that I expect him to give (laughs) – from what we've seen OU do against mobile quarterbacks this year, particularly Adrian Martinez. uh, You know, Spencer Sanders didn't have his best game. Max Duggan played phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Travis is a guy that gives Oklahoma defenses this year fits. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And guys, one thing, we talked about Jalen Redmond not being part of the front seven this year um, or this bowl season. Florida State's averaging 218 rushing yards a game. That's nearly five and a half yards a carry. They've got four guys with 75-plus carries and at least five touchdowns or more. And Corbin, Adam, this is the thing that probably scares me the most. The leading wide receiver – for Florida State is six foot seven, 240 pounds. That is a matchup nightmare. Whether it's Woody Washington, whether it's Jane Davis, uh, odds are not going to be in Oklahoma's favor on this one. So it's going to be a tough matchup for Brent Venable's defense going against Florida State's offense.
2: You know, guys, uh, I have heard marriage is full of challenges. And me and my wife, after next Sunday, will be seeing our first because she is a Florida State grad. Uh and so this will be an interesting uh, time in the new Polson household. Kick her out. Uh, so far since we have been <laughs> dating, we started dating uh very uh early right before softball when OU won the national championship against Florida State a couple years back. So odds are on my side poor OU to come out and perform well but dear god if you look at anything on paper (laughs) and if you watch any film this is a nightmare matchup for the Sooners uh oh you shouldn't even be in this game it's the brand that's carrying them into the Cheez-It Bowl which sounds hilarious to say uh hammer hammer the knolls hammer the knolls Adam I er, go ahead Adam
0: yeah just nothing about this looks like a good matchup for OU. florida state's a very good football team and by all accounts all their good players are going to be playing no one's opting out no one's going pro it seems like OU's kind of the opposite there's a lot of depth guys that are leaving that won't matter that much so we'll see some young guys uh, on the offensive line for sure and i don't know i i feel really dirty saying this um it's disgusting to have to say this but like the expectations for what OU can do against Florida state are just so low yeah. based on what we know going in. so is it possible that OU overperforms in this game? I, I don't see a path for that. I think Florida state's very excited to be in this game. I think OU's is not excited to be there, but if OU does find a way to overperform, keep it close or even win the game, I think- then this is a matchup that all the media is watching. Mm-hmm. And That could create the narrative going into the offseason for this program, and I don't think that matters as far as results on the field next year, but it does matter for the fans, for our Twitter battles in the offseason, for recruiting in the offseason. But, I mean... Yeah, it looks bad. If your
2: two programs head in completely opposite directions right now, and if you're
1: Brent Venables right now with 24 days until the bowl game, you do anything and everything you can to get as many of your recruits to sign the dotted line as possible. Um, I talked about how I talked about how good the Florida State's offense is, guys. You flip it over to Florida State's defense, that side of the ball. uh, As an OU fan, it it does not get much better. Florida State's defense is the second best scoring defense in the ACC. They're actually ranked ahead of Clemson by one spot, giving up just 19 points a game. And they're actually the number one defense in the conference in total yards given up, just a hair over 300 yards a game. In today's standards of power five football, with some of the offenses, what these teams are doing going up and down the field, that is tremendous. So, and then guys, they are the what Oklahoma not having Eric Gray and not having their two starting offensive tackles for this one is going to make it all the much harder because when you look at the, the defenses in the ACC, Florida State's got the best secondary in this conference by far, and it's not even close. They're giving up, I think it's right around 180 passing yards a game. So Dylan Gabriel without Wanye, without Anton, without Eric gray, uh, it's going to be tough sledding uh, for Jeff Levy's offense. And then you, uh, you talked about it. You talked about it, Adam. I think you make a really, really good point. The two edge guys, that Oklahoma's offensive line is going to be matched up against, and it starts with defensive end, the Albany transfer Jared Verse. He's going to be a first-round pick. I'm honestly, I'll be surprised if he plays. I think it's probably a sure thing. He's a day one guy. Hopefully, he does opt out. But I just really, with Florida State right now being a seven and a half point favorite. Um, Corbin, one of the best parts about living in Colorado, gambling is legal in this state. So, that FanDuel account, yeah, probably going to be placing a heavy bet on the Noles to cover this one. I just don't see, at least on paper, I can't find a I can't find any reasons right now why Oklahoma is going to be able to win this football game.
2: It's it's bowl game Marcus Major, you know, there's like oh, playoff yes. ball, you know, all that stuff. it's bowl game Marcus Major, yeah, that's uh it's that's the only hope for this team cuz outside of that, I'm not uh, not seeing much. Guys, let's hop into Playoff picks in the national championship. Uh, Tyler, start with you. Who do you have winning uh, the playoff games and who is your eventual national champion?
1: Uh, Yeah, starting uh, with the uh, battle up at the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, number one, Georgia, six and a half point favorite against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, I think that one of the things that is going to be interesting about this particular game. You know guys, Tennessee with Hinden, when Hinton Hooker was completely healthy when they went to Athens to take on the Bulldogs, everybody thought that, that was going to be, you know, that was going to be a realistic chance for an upset. Tennessee could not move the ball in Georgia whatsoever for the better part of four quarters. So what makes you think Ohio State without Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, with, you know, a banged up Travion Henderson, what gives you confidence that Ohio State's going to be able to do that? Now, I think on paper the Buckeyes can can match up pretty well athletically uh, with Georgia. But if there's one thing that we've seen, you know, especially this year, Georgia's got so much quality talent, not just at the starting positions, but they've got so much quality depth built up. It's hard for a team to stay with Georgia for four quarters. They eventually, you know, impose their dominance and they break your will. So I've got Georgia winning that one. And then, you know, we go out to Phoenix. Uh, Michigan is currently, I think Corbin has got it set right now. Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite over the Horn Frogs. How can TCU win this game? Um, in my opinion, Michigan is a more talented, more physical version of K-State, which that's a team that's given uh, TCU fits twice uh, so far this year. So I don't know, maybe a month to prepare. You give Sonny Dykes a little bit more time to to get this team ready. Both teams should come in extremely healthy. Uh, You never know what a team's going to look like coming off of a significant layoff. But at this point right now, I think you're looking at a Georgia-Michigan uh national championship game. And I think you're going to be looking at a very, very similar outcome to what we saw when Georgia played Michigan in the semifinals last year. Um, Georgia's the superior talented team. I think that they've got the better coaching staff. I think that they've got the better quarterback. So I think Georgia runs away with it this year.
0: I'll, I'll disagree because when I pick the same as Tyler, I typically lose. So you don't want to pick again. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take Ohio state over Georgia. Uh, Georgia is a really good team. I don't know, I just wonder if we've seen their best. I don't I don't know if we've seen their best game all year, maybe against Tennessee, I guess, but Oregon 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 yeah <laughs> they there's nothing it about LSU. it they yeah, there's up, nothing fifty <laughs> yeah there's just nothing about Ohio State that gives me confidence about them, but just to be different, I'll take I'll take Ohio State just because I feel like Georgia. It's kind of like just lollygagging and coasting their way, and I wonder if that could bite them against a team that could get up twenty-one nothing, you know, in the blink of an eye, and then be like, "Oh crap!" Like now we have to play. So I'll be yeah. different there, and because of that, I think Michigan will beat TCU, and I, I think Michigan will wow. be able to take a rematch. I think this Michigan team is better than last year's Michigan team, so even if they do match up with Georgia, I think it is a closer game. Uh, although at that point, it's probably <laughs> a coin flip. But I'll take I'll take Michigan to be different.
2: I do think Ohio State has the potential to beat Georgia um, just because of what they have on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Marvin Harrison's the best wide receiver in the country. Uh, CJ Stroud has the ability to beat a Georgia defense. I just don't think it happens. And what we have seen is when Georgia is ready to play, nobody's beating them. Nobody's beating them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, give me the bulldogs and give me Michigan. I don't think TCU stands a chance against Michigan. If we want to be honest. Uh, so, and I, and I, I agree with Tyler to an extent. I think it's a closer game than what it is was last year between Georgia and Michigan, mm-hmm. but you are not going to line up and beat Georgia at their own game. It's what we used to say about bama for over the past decade you're not going to line up against them and beat them in their own strategy it's just not possible and do i think that uh jj mccarthy is gonna you know light up the georgia defense absolutely not and so (laughs) i just don't i just don't think that's possible so i have georgia winning back-to-back titles if they come ready to play they are not gonna lose yeah well
1: and and you know guys you make a really good point um when you think about some of the home field atmospheres, you know, we all know about LSU when they play in new Orleans, you know, for bowl games, this is a very, it's a very similar uh, outcome, very Mm -hmm. similar field when Georgia gets to play in Atlanta in the, in the Superdome. So, uh, but I will say this and, you know, to this I don't think this is too much of a hot take. I think that Georgia going up against Ohio State, I think that the Buckeyes are more of a challenge to Georgia because of what they can do stylistically on the offensive yep. side of the football than anything that Michigan or TCU could throw at them. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but I expect Georgia to, to go back-to-back.
2: Guys, let's transition real quick to, uh, to hoops, a quick update on men's hoops. It is that time of year guys, Uh, six and two for this OU, uh, basketball team with losses to Sam Houston state, who is seven and one on the year. I think that's actually turning out to be a somewhat quality loss. We'll see how they finish out the season, but a really poor loss to Villanova last weekend uh, up in Philadelphia. Villanova is not the Villanova you, you know. I've heard of for the past, you know, 20 years. Villanova is three and five right now with that win against the Sooners. Really, really bad loss. But guys, so much opportunity here to make up for that with Arkansas, Florida, Texas, all here in December. So plenty of opportunities for the Sooners to add some quality wins to uh, their their resume. Here they did win the ESPN Invitational down in Florida. I think it was kind of a mix of very mediocre teams um, down there in Orlando, but guys uh, early thoughts on this men's basketball team. I think
0: this team goes as far as Tanner Groves will allow them to go. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> because, and I'm probably the biggest Tanner Groves hater out there um, because I think, I guess in my mind, we were sold a bigger, you know, uh, bill of goods than what we actually got when he came to OU. And once he gets up to those bigger, more athletic post players that we see in big 12 conference, he sometimes disappears so far. I think he's been a little bit more consistent this year. His three point shooting, not great. 28% Jacob Groves been a little bit better. I think he's a slightly pleasant surprise so far. He's shown a little more consistency. And then Grant Sherfield, I think I kind of view him as like the Mo Gibson replacement, but more consistency there we haven't seen him go off so i don't know what his ceiling necessarily is but i think his floor is definitely higher than mo gibson that makes me feel a little bit better i think really too once after tanner groves if tanner groves can kind of be a reliable force in big 12 play then i look to okay who's that second guard uh, perimeter player because cj nolan hasn't shown me anything this year uh, Joe Bamasile haven't seen a whole lot from him yet either. Bijan Cortez is kind of hit and miss. Down. So it's like who else is going to step on the up in the perimeter there. Right now it feels like the typical OU team like fighting for that 8 or 9 seed maybe on the bubble.
2: Yep. Yeah, I really don't have I, I really don't. Guys, have. let's transition. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just going to say I really don't
1: have much more to to say. I completely agree with both of you guys what you said. Um, I do think I, I'm not expecting too much out of the Groves brothers, especially once we get into conference play, the big 12, we say, it, you know, we say it each and every year It's the best conference in basketball from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, but I, I do
2: think, it's, I, I think we know who they are. We, we do. The Gross brothers. And
1: yeah, I, I do think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun watching Grant you know, Sheffield go up against some of the other elite guards in this conference. He's kind of been a broad spot, a bright spot for me. I knew he was going to be good. I thought he would have a chance to definitely on the offensive side of the things, be a big upgrade compared to, you know, what was it Jordan Goldwire from a year ago? But just consistently, you know, Bjorn Cortez, Hill, I just don't think that this team is going to be able to, you know, be in the top half of the Big 12 this year, which, you know, that's not necessarily saying that this is a bad basketball team. I just think that it, it just says more about the, uh, how, how good the conference is as a whole, and hopefully this guy, these guys can, you know, hold serve at home, pick up a couple wins on the road, and hopefully they can sneak their
2: way into the field in March. Well, LNC crowd is just uh, second to no one. So don't challenge him, uh, Corbin. They'll they I, respond. I mean, I would I would love for the LNC crowd to respond. I'd love for them. Guys, let's to- wrap it up here with beers and bets. We are done with another season of betting. And Adam, you are the champion. I will say, I am proud that I at least made you sweat a little on the final week. It got interesting after Friday night. I needed to go five and zero. I was two and zero, and I am so glad. That this did not come down to the bogus TCU non touchdown that would have put me at three and zero heading into the final two games, but well deserved, my friend. And we can celebrate uh, as much about you, but even more, we're celebrating is the fact that Tyler Burton is ranked third after all the smack talk he was doing about five weeks ago. It was from
0: second place. It wasn't smack talk from first place. It was (laughs) smack talk from second
1: place. (laughs) It was not. It was not a good closing stretch for me by any sorts of the imagination. I will own up to that. It was a bad year of of beers and bets for me. Uh, But so, congratulations on that, Adam. And I do at least want to. I do kind of got to throw a little bit of shade at Corbin. The last week of the the last week of the season, Adam. You and I. I got to at least pat ourselves on the back a little bit for at least the two of us having the courage to at least pick the games and not just simply say. I'm betting the complete opposite. I'm not even going to put much thought into it.
2: Adam. That's softer. Huh? That's softer. I went for the win. I I, I was on a winning streak closing ground, and I went against my picks to fade Adam, knowing that was my only chance to win.
1: I disagree. I disagree.
2: <laughs> you, just, you
1: still
0: could have went 4-1 or 5-0, and oh, picking five games and not just simply going against Adam. There was only 11 I- games on the schedule, so it's like how different can you really be?
2: You sound stupider and stupider every week that we do beers and bags. It was not that is it such was, a terrible take. Well, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go five and zero anyway, Adam has to lose five anyway. Yeah, so you might as if well I do go five and zero. And yeah. Adam goes threes and three and two. It doesn't make any difference. Adam,
1: I hope you get the trophy very very soon. He
2: will get it in a timely manner. I promise you that. Not six months from now. I'm not giving it to you this week, Adam. It'll be 2023, but I promise you will not have to wait until next summer. Do you still have it?
1: Yeah. It's right here. Oh, okay. It's as close as I'm going right to get here. to seeing it. So I just wanted to ask.
2: Yeah. You're about 20 miles away and that's, yeah, it's close as you, you can ever get. If you guys didn't notice, my Zencaster name is never last in bets. Yeah. And I'm the only one who can claim that now. Yeah. 20 Let's, miles, uh, hour and a half. drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: leave, uh, I'll leave the podcast with this. Uh, the, uh, Tyler standings three years. We've done the bets. He finished last in 2020. He finished nice. second in 2021. And now last in 2022, we'll see if we get a different result heading into 2023. I'm, I'm bummed that we don't have anything to bet on for the next couple of months. I mean, I'm not going to do basketball, so
2: no.
0: yeah, it's uh it's going to be a long time, but I want to get back to it. Um, hey, so I had
1: a, I had a bad day or I had a bad weekend, but there's probably one other place that's having a worse week right now. And that is the football program up in Stillwater. It is a dumpster fire. What's going on in Oklahoma state. Uh, two more guys starting running back, starting defensive end. Uh, for the Pokes have just entered the transfer port as well, so tough, uh, tough day for Mike Gundy and the Pokes.
2: Don't distract on. the people from you being last in bets. Oh, I'm owning up right to it. Now. I'm owning up to it. It was pitiful by <laughs> me. Sure you I are. will, I
1: will bounce back with a vengeance next year, though. Let me tell yeah. you. Let me tell you.
2: You know when we were talking about how this OU program under Venables has not proven anything to us. In order to give us hope for the future, Tyler, last second, last, you've given us nothing to prove that we should uh, have some confidence mm-hmm. in your bets in the future. I'm like David. Thank Blair you, everyone, for half. listening to our.
0: <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod and also on YouTube by searching for the Mainline Podcast. Uh, we look forward to chatting next week. We'll see if we have some transfer portal commits to talk about. Maybe some recruits that have finally flipped to OU. Might have a little bit of a celebratory pod. But uh, until then, we will see everyone again next week for another episode of the Mainline Podcast.